Welcome to the Forex Analytics Community Experience, or FACE, podcast. Dale Pinkert interviews some of the sharpest and most knowledgeable people in the financial markets daily. Also, you can go directly to forexanalytics.com or find us on YouTube to watch these interviews live and get fresh, intraday macro and technical analysis of the currency, stock, and commodities markets daily from the Forex Analytics team. Our FACE show is free every trading day. Now here's your host, Dale Pinkert. All righty. Okay, Pedro. So, you know, I, I I gave you a question to ask Jay Paul last time, you know, if he thought monetary policy was too loose because of what people are paying for con- concert tickets. <laughs> uh, you, you That's right. I forgot him. about that. Yeah. yeah I- and, you know, so anyway, what's top of mind going into the next couple of days with CPI followed by the Fed? Uh, well, one of the things that's top of mind is just how much discord there's. Think, you know, I think this is like one of the periods where we've seen the most internal disagreement uh, within the Fed that we've seen since the start of the rate hikes. Okay. I think Jay Powell has been good about building consensus so far. And in part, that was because once the realization set in throughout the Fed system that, that they were behind the curve, it was easy to get people on board to catch up and 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 getting people to align behind 50 or 75 wasn't particularly difficult. But now that we're getting to a point where there's actual, you know, I feel like there's true discord within the system as to whether uh, they should keep going or whether they, they should wait and see. And that depends in part on what your view is on on long and variable lags and how much credit tightening we might get. And so, uh, you know, I'm not saying there's going to be a dissent at this particular meeting, but we're getting closer to the point where people are actually actively disagreeing within the system. And uh, that's going to make for, for some exciting times, I guess. And the CPI, Uh, this having the CPI on the day of the meeting just adds to that mix, right? They, they kind of in, in, in another kind of communications, you know, maybe not a blunder, but, you know, uh, it's not particularly clear when you commit to a pause and you say you're data dependent, but you're not waiting for the data to actually speak for itself. And then the data has kind of gone in the other direction. I mean, it's there's been it's been mixed enough that they could argue for a pause, but it's hard to say jobs you know wasn't strong and the PCE wasn't strong. And so, if CPI does come in strong, it's going to again lead to market doubts about what the Fed is likely to do. Although I think the preponderance is. For them to pause and then and then move again in July, so but I don't skip think. Skip and hike. Yeah, skip and Which hike. Which is exactly but... what Paul at the beginning of his campaign said he did not want to make the mistakes of the seventies and repeat them. Where Absolutely, you a, the start you know, stop monetary a, policy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So yeah. we're on the cusp of something else. Jay Paul said that he's you know not going to follow through on. And if you look at the at the behavior of other major central banks, they've had to do the exact same thing, right? Um, the Bank of the right. RBA, the, the Bank of Canada, they've all had to resume hikes after a pause because inflation is sticky. And that's another reason to kind of believe the hawks when they say and, and think that inflation is not just going to go away in the second half of the year is, you know, the trend seems to be fairly global, just regardless of the internal dynamics of particular economies. Uh, and it's all very labor driven as well. This sort of post COVID tightness in the labor market that's befuddling everyone. We have labor shortages from, from Italy to Canada to, you know, to the United States. 
So do you think our do you think our banking problems are over? Everyone's acting like it is. I definitely don't. I think it's kind of a slow burning problem, and the, you know the Fed threw massive amounts of money and liquidity at it, and so mm. it's kind of like it's hard to say that it wasn't just a palliative, and that it's really actually over because the banks still have those enormous underwater treasury positions. They're just simply able to not kind of market them to market at the moment. And so I don't think we're out of the woods on that front. I also don't think that we know what other financial instability issues might rear their heads later in the year. Because if, if you do believe in the lags, even if you think the lags are fairly short, chances are that you haven't felt the full impact of the hikes considering we just hiked at the last meeting. And so uh, there's still potential for other blowups in the financial system. And that's actually the main thing that I think could cause the Fed to pivot. And people, you know, when markets price in, I mean, yeah. the, I know they've priced out some of those cuts at the end of the year, but when markets price those in, a lot of it is based on the expectation that the Fed is going to flinch at the very first sign of economic weakness, meaning like the first spike you see in unemployment, the Fed's just going to cave well, and the, start turning around. Well, but market, I think it's, yeah, go ahead. The market acted that way after the uh, claims last week. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's true. And so, but I think that it's actually going to take a financial event for the Fed to be more responsive and to actually consider reversing course. Um, um, in, is, is there any truth that everyone's looking at the uh, commercial banking system, but most of the credit is being supplied by the shadow banking system uh, that uh, over over 50% of credit and loans comes from there and they're less regulated, I believe. Yeah, they're um, less regulated and a lot more opaque. So they're like it, regulators have a ton less visibility into what is actually happening there. The irony is that we came into this tightening cycle with everyone warning that the major financial risks were outside of the traditional banking system. But then, yeah. if, then you get the first major blow up is right under the Fed's nose, like in the sector where they do have great visibility and should have been able to predict and potentially stop it or at least kind of give more stern warnings. And they were remarkably kind of honest in that post SVB report about admitting to regulatory failures and the kind of general lackadaisical attitude toward regulation. Uh, but now, again, there's no reason to think that just because the problem started at the regional banks that they won't spread to other areas, whether it be money market funds or hedge funds. I mean, money market funds have benefited in the short term from this outflow of from the from the commercial banks because they're just offering higher well, what returns. What kind of paper are they buying? Right. That's the, the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they, so they expose themselves to some of the similar similar risks. And what about uh, Europe? They're, they actually, uh, uh, the bonds they own, notes they own, whatever bonds they own, had negative rates. So don't they actually have to service a losing trade? Yes, It costs absolutely. them money to carry a losing trade that they won't mark to market, but they have to service it. Absolutely. So I, absolutely. I'm wondering why we're not hearing about, you know, uh, stress in the European banking system as much as we're hearing about it here that's a good point uh it might be you know the the, the ecb started hiking uh later right so it could be yeah. part of the part of those lagged effects that we were talking about so so here's the regional bank chart pedro 
And uh, to me, it looks incomplete. I know we yeah. had a recovery here that yeah. you know, normally things come in threes and we have two. I think there's another break there. And then, you know what? The uh, major money center banks don't look that much better. They took it on the chin. S&Ps are making new highs. NASDAQ's blown off. And this, to me, looks like a bearish consolidation. Sure, it could go to 34, but I don't think we're going to 37. And almost looks like it could break down again. So our, I, to me, it feels like we're whistling past the graveyard with um, a major banking crisis. Um, might even be similar to what we had in the 30s. Yeah, I mean, certainly it might not be that different from 2008 in the sense that yeah. you, you see these small problems bubble up and then everybody says everything everything's okay. And, yeah, wasn't but, that that way in, uh, uh, like, Lehman went bust, but, uh, you know, everyone, uh, the markets kept going and everything was okay for a while? Well, it was, the, well, after Lehman, things kind of fell apart, but I would say, or it, I would think of it as an earlier, like late 2007 episode where there were things like, you know, Wash U and, uh, okay. no, I mean, Washington Mutual rather, and, uh, yeah. and Countrywide and names that we've okay. almost forgotten SNLs. In, the, in, the, yeah. in the trash bin of history. And, right. uh, and now, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and then they end up, you know, they ended up being kind of the precursors to much larger blowups. And after Bear Stearns, there was a distinct sense that the worst was over and everybody, you know, positioned that way. Oh, that's what and I meant to say, Bear yeah, Stearns. Yeah, after and Bear, then, yeah. Yeah, so and then how by long the time did Lehman came around, then, by the, then it was another six months. Because okay. Bear was in March of 2008. By the time yeah. Lehman came around, you know, then, then you had Fannie Freddie kind of blowing oh, up yeah. at the same time. And that's when it got really serious and the job losses started to enter the hundreds of thousands. Um, and, and again, it took... We talk about this. Took a long uh, time, a lag. We talk about this de facto uh, guarantee of uninsured deposits that kind of emerged after SVB, just by the actions yeah. of the regulators. And it actually, if you look back, the thing that it, the thing that I remember putting a floor on the market in March 2009 was actually when the FDIC came out and guaranteed the bonds of the major financial institutions. And I, you know, I kept joking that if I could issue, you know. Uh, FDIC backed the cost of bonds, I would be instantly rich, right? Any of us would. Right. Yeah. Um, so once you have the backing of the taxpayer, you're pretty much golden. But, you know, one would hope that's not what it's going to take, but it's hard to see how we don't get there given the just the speed of the, the rate shock that we've we've had, yeah. right? Yeah. And, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, we, uh, so the Fed has a lot to think about. And don't you think the Fed knew what these banks had on their books before he went on his tightening campaign? Didn't it that they, he knew there'd be problems with them? They certainly should have. I mean, they should, you know, that we don't know how much, because it's not the kind of thing that they can admit publicly, but, you know, maybe they hope for kind of small breakages that would be credit restraining, but nothing kind of as severe as what we might get. Uh, but, yeah, it's, Doesn't it's, the Fed would see if, you know, wanting to launch a CBDC would rather have, you know, five buddies, five buddy banks, you know, the partners he already has, the Fed already has, and um, they really become the bank because the CBDC doesn't come from the Treasury, it comes from the Fed. But I'm not actually There's, sure that the Fed is that, that keen on the CBDC. 
I'm not so I'm not so sure that the Fed is particularly keen on CBDCs. Certainly not as much as some other world global central banks. They're like kind of oh, lagging okay. behind on that front. So I'm not Good. sure. And I think that's in part because the financial, you know, the large financial, the large banks are also not particularly keen on it because oh, they, they see it as profits cut through all, a lot of exactly, profits. exactly. And, and considering how much influence those banks have on the Fed system. Uh, both direct and indirect, and through their presence on the the regional boards of the feds, uh, you know, I don't know that they actually want that to happen, and that's why the Fed is not like a leading voice on CBDCs, uh, whereas the ECB and, and China are a lot further ahead on that front. So, okay. but if you recall, um, the day of the last press conference, Chair Powell said something like, you know, he basically he he described. For the for the J.P. Morgan acquisition of First Republic in quite favorable terms, and kind of suggested that they'd put a, a line under the sand of of the worst of the crisis. And then that night, like Pac West just yeah. tanked, and uh, and it appeared that things were not bad. So and when, and Janet Yellen's been talking a lot lately. Uh, she sees that though there will be more consolidation in the banking industry which isn't that really code for failures it it kind of is at this point right it just means that it means acquisitions it also means that they have to loosen their own kind of rules you know they've been kind of against additional mergers and concentrations of deposits but that stuff is only getting worse which again raises the potential for future trouble down the line um one of the big issues the Fed's going to have on the macro front is that even if headline inflation starts to come down, which it looks like it's going to, given what's happening in energy, right. core just looks stuck, right? It looks stuck at four and a half, you know, the upper fours. And that's a real problem for the Fed. The Fed does look at core inflation as, as a better predictor of future inflation than, than headline. And that's going to make a lot of the Fed uncomfortable. Now, it's I, I would say... There's like a, a minority within the committee that looks at this, the skip thing is kind of like a way to buy them time for inflation to fall enough for them to really just pause. They don't actually want to hike further. So they say skip, but they really want to pause. But yeah. I think that's a minority. I think the rest actually do think that there's going to be a need for further hikes. Um, well, you know, looking at the 10 year Pedro, uh, if we start closing over 390, yields yeah. are going to new highs. Yeah. Uh, 360 has been a big level. If you look to the left, see 360, 360, big pivot. We yeah. broke out, went to targets. Here we are at 360. This uh, formation implies a decline in yields, especially yeah. if we break down. We could be under 3%. Um, what do you think could cause that? Could it be risk off or another banking problem? What could drive it? Do you think the inflation numbers are enough? To take uh, yields from 370 like to 280? I think, yes. I think if there were the impression that the Fed has actually has a lot more work to do, right? Um, then, well, no, these then, are yields dropping if we drop. Oh, the, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 370 to 280. Um, uh, the only thing I could think of would be some type of yes, risk off event. Yes, a risk off event that, 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 does the opposite of what I just said, rather, that, that like okay. leads people to believe that the Fed is actually going to have to reverse course. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, but uh, again, I, I would think that it would take a financial event for them to 
to right. believe that rather than just just regular old economic weakness. Um, okay. What are you looking forward to asking them? Uh, well, these days I don't go into the press conference. I send my colleagues in because they tend not to oh. give me the mic. I, they tend not to give me the microphone, so I prefer not to waste <laughs> the question. Um, All right. Uh, okay. But, so, but and you know, but the the questions are kind of pretty obvious. They're like, I think one of the big questions is, what are the long and variable lags? Because that tells you a lot about where they think they are in the cycle. And there's a huge discrepancy within the Fed system as to whether you think that the transmission mechanism has gotten faster because of kind of greater transparency and communication, which means that you've already kind of absorbed the bulk of the hikes and you might need more because they haven't had their effect, or whether the bulk of tightening is still potentially to come, in which case like the pause scenario makes more, you can make more of a case for it. Uh, another thing is just kind of narrowing down their reaction function. I think there's a lack of understanding in the markets. That's under, that's the reason for it is that the Fed itself isn't very clear about this messaging. Like, what are they actually reacting to? You know, data dependence is like, you think you take the collection of data within the past six weeks or whatever the intermeeting period is, and you make an assessment based on that totality. But when one data point appears you know, to have the ability to swing yeah. their decision. It almost seems like data reactivity. Yeah, uh, yeah it's and conflicting so, data. Yeah. And so it's, that leaves, yeah. that that makes it very hard to figure out what the next move is going to be. Uh, another big item, of course, we get the SEP this, this, uh, this meeting. And I think one of the things that they're likely to do if they pause is they're going to try to raise the median dot on the on their forecast for where the terminal rate is to kind of show the market that you know that we've stopped but we're not done yet that would be the kind of messaging that i would expect what did they do they just put white out on the other dots and then <laughs> color color in another one Pedro. <laughs> how does that work they just draw a rainbow around the top um <laughs> pot I, of gold yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly uh well no i think I think it works. You know, they claim that it's all like individual policymakers not talking to each other and in a vacuum yeah. and then you just end up with a median. But it's kind of clear that the chair kind of uh, he doesn't massage the dots himself, but I'm sure in his calls with uh, in his sort of pre-meeting calls with all the regional bank presidents and his fellow board governors, they kind of discuss where their dots are going to be. And there's some kind of pre-gaming as to where they expect the median to end up. And so, okay. so they would do that by lifting the median from its current like five point one level to, to you know five point four or something a little bit higher to to reflect a little bit more hiking at least another another twenty five basis points. Um, do you have a dollar view or what you're looking for for movements? I know we have uh, the BOJ later in the week, but just a dollar. Um, I, I still feel that the market is uh, still overly bearish a dollar. Uh, this was rally wasn't embraced. Uh, most uh, even bulls said, you know, it'd be a, a big deal for us to get back to 105. Uh, Euro has really had a hard time recovering off this initial decline from 110 and a half. Do you have any views on I, I really views? don't, to be honest. I really All don't. Right. I don't play. I don't. You. I don't pay. I don't pay enough attention to, you know, to the everyday okay. movements to have to have a good opinion. 
Okay. Because, you know, the dollar is, uh, you know, kind of the fulcrum where everything revolves. Um, so uh, just talking about the Fed uh, and wrapping it, uh, what do you expect from the uh, press, presser afterwards? Uh, uh, do you think that Paul's going to be able to, um, you know, satisfy people or is it going to be, you know, another cloudy message? Um, I think it's going to be cloudy. I think one of the issues with what, what we've seen in, in the last six months from his chairmanship is a lot of confusion as to what he's actually paying attention to. It seems like he brings up different things at different times and then they kind of fade away. At one point, jolts was the big thing to watch, right? But if you were going by that, then the recent rebound in, in, in jolts was, would be a case for, for continued hawkishness. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he focused on ECI at one point and wage growth is still fairly robust, but that kind of faded away. And then we changed to super core. So I think he's, you know, and, and they've said there's not much movement in super core, which again would, would suggest that they should be hiking. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things is there, one of the contradictions right now is that if you recall right before the, the, SVB debacle, Powell was actually hinting at a 50 basis point rate hike and, and the market was pricing in a 6% terminal rate. Now, the question yeah. is, though, you and I may agree that these banking problems are not over, but the Fed seems to play them down and the market is playing them down as well. So the idea, you know, my question is if if that credit tightening is not actually going to take place because of these this, this regional bank turmoil, then shouldn't we reprice the terminal rate back to where it was before it? And so... Uh, so I think that he's would gonna... be the surprise if uh, he went ahead with a at least twenty-five basis point hike. Would you that think would that be would a... surprise the market? That would be a huge surprise. I mean, I think even a hawk. I mean, the market is so keen on having him pivot yeah. in some way and has been for so many months yeah. that any hint of hawkishness, I think, will be will be really negative for you know for risk. Risk. Okay. And. And so, yeah, that's my general sense. But I think he's gonna he's gonna walk a fine line, and he's not gonna he's not gonna say they're done, right? Uh, yeah, as as some in the market would would desire, and he's not even gonna say that like we're just gonna do one more and then we're done because I think it's it's too open ended and there's too much uncertainty around it. Yes, yeah, great so. discussion once again, Pedro. Thank you so much for you know giving us some things to think about uh, before we click our mouse. Uh, over the next couple of days and best way for people to follow you, Pedro, uh, Twitter and yeah, MNI. Go ahead. Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at P DaCosta, P-D-A-C-O-S-T-A. And uh, you can check out the website at marketnews.com. Check out the story that I have pinned to my Twitter account. It's gotten a lot of interest. We reported that the Fed is actually considering a shift away from the 2% target, potentially okay. toward a target band as some other countries have have undertaken the idea being that they're kind of they they're embarrassed that they were so uh, yeah. such sticklers for like undershooting the inflation target by like a tenth of a percentage point, and now they're trying to be more realistic. And I think a range might be a a more realistic approach to inflation targeting, but it also leads to to accusations that they're moving the goalposts and that they're yeah. raising their inflation target because they can't achieve it. So yeah, they're not getting their credibility back. You know, what's the great thing about a band, Pedro? What's that? What's that? They stretch. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, right, a target well, is a target, but a band, yeah. lots of flexibility yeah. with stretching. Uh, let's just say he now has a rubber band, uh, a monetary policy. That's a, that's a good, perfect analogy. <laughs> you can use it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, buddy. Really, Thank you so uh, much. Thanks for having me, Dale. Yeah, great catching up with you, Pedro. You Pedro too. DaCosta, everybody. Follow him at P. DaCosta on Twitter and go to M&I and read their stuff. And uh, it's going to edify you. And Here check out my podcast. It's called Fed Speak, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so. uh, is what Spotify and all those Spotify, other Google, and Apple mostly. Yeah. Okay, Pedro. Thank Keep you up so the much. Great work, man. You're a watchman for us. Thank you very much. All right, Pedro. So that's a wrap, everyone. You could join the team in 20 minutes on the morning edge. Don't just count your pips, count your blessings. See everyone tomorrow.